1: And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
0: Football season is here, and it's time to bet with my bookie. Use promo code GATERS and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today Only at my bookie. Gators Breakdown. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore S-E-C. Uh, Will Miles is not on this episode. We'll hit him back next week. He'll be back on Gators Breakdown. So uh, we'll be joined later this episode by Denny Thompson of uh, Six Points Quarterback Training and 1010XL to the show the sports den there. Uh, he, look, he trained uh, Anthony Richardson, Carson Beck here in Jacksonville. So we'll get plenty of talk about the Florida Gator quarterback position Get a storyline from the Georgia quarterback position as well since, you know, the whole Jamie Newman thing happened last week and uh, the quarterback battle that's now happening in Athens. So uh, Denny can share a lot of his thoughts and, and, you know, from a quarterback perspective eyes of of what he's able to bring to the table there. So a lot of quarterback talk here, Kyle Trask, um, Emory Jones, Anthony Richardson, Carson Beck, JT Daniels, all that stuff uh, for Florida's main rival in Georgia too, since that kind of seems to be uh, one of the main headlines uh, that we're looking at in, in, in college football, SEC, and just a, a Florida rival uh, in, in general. So a lot, lot uh, to, to discuss there and a lot of good insight uh, from, from Denny. So uh, look, and I'm also joining you here right after uh, this is recording on Tuesday, September 8th um, and around one thirty. So on the heels of Dan Mullen and uh, his uh, press conference right after the the second scrimmage. And we'll get into all that here on this episode of Gators breakdown. But before we do, remember you can find some Gators breakdown merchandise eBay.com/s t r/slash Gators breakdown. You can get the link in the description as well. But a lot of new Gators breakdown merchandise out there for you to support us with, uh, if if you so please. If you do, thank you very much. Uh, if you don't, a listen is good enough. So, <laughs> uh, but if you want to show some more support, get you a Gators breakdown gear once again at eBay.com/s t r/slash Gators. Breakdown. And before we get into this episode, remember you can find Gators Breakdown on news4jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. There you'll find all the Gators Breakdown episodes and News 4 Jacks coverage of the Gators. Please share, rate, and review the show. Subscribe on YouTube. And if you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button. That really helps us out. Or subscribe to Gators Breakdown on your favorite podcast platform. And follow Gators Breakdown on social media, on Twitter and Facebook at Gators Breakdown, And as we said, this is coming to you on the heels of Dan Mullen, uh, his press conference after the uh, second scrimmage that was on held on Monday night, Labor Day night. Uh, his, here we go. We'll, we'll discuss what he had to say in some kind of storylines from the second scrimmage. Uh, scrimmage two was good, Mullen said, but it will be the last scrimmage of this um, 2020 preseason. He said, uh, hasn't been able to watch a whole lot of it so far, but what little he's seen, still some sloppiness that they have to get. Corrected and look, guys, I mean, that's going to be expected. We all watched for the most part that BYU Navy game and saw a lot of sloppiness from the Navy side of things. Uh, BYU looked smooth, like a smooth running machine, but the Navy was way behind, and you kind of saw what happened there with that. So, there's going to be some sloppiness in right right now. And plus, you know, it was still what a little under three weeks for a game, so to be expected, I think. Uh, No, no worry, I don't think. Um, but you know, this is what he says, you know, lack of playing football is what you see in terms of errors, errors and mistakes and not a lot of football being played. They're still learning. They're still going through the motions of of a long layoff. So they're getting, uh, he saw some, Mullen did say, he saw some good football and some improvement, uh, but he'd just like to be further along right now. But overall, pleased with the guys. I uh, really like some of the effort that they've played out there with. And he said, guys are playing hard and trying to play the game. And yeah, that's really right now what you need, That what you can ask for. So maybe some of the mental aspects Uh, of it need to be cleaned up, but uh, at least the effort is there for now. Get the mental aspect part of it cleaned up before, you know, these next three weeks and uh, I think Florida, Florida's okay. I'm not taking this as a big sign of uh, weakness or anything like that heading into the season. But, I mean, look, he did say the play uh, was higher level than the first scrimmage. Uh, But, you know, mistakes are the mental things, little mental things. Uh, So more consistency, but not at the consistency where you want to be to go play an SEC game right now. That's exactly what Mullins said. So just want a little bit more consistency, but if they were to play a game tomorrow, he wouldn't feel good about the consistency, consistency level for the Gators right now. But Look, of course, uh, I'm not gonna shy away from it. He was asked about the injuries as rumors are uh, out there have been floating around about an offensive uh, player being injured. Uh, the rumor is offensive line, but Mullen would not dive into it. No surprise there. He would not name anyone as far as injuries go. After the second scrimmage, he would only he would only say a couple guys were banged up, and they'll find out more as the week goes on. So. Uh, if you're out there on social media, on message boards and stuff, of course, it's all out there. Um, we'll probably find out through some back channels. Uh, there, uh, there's no really confirmation, uh, right now out there, uh, of, you know, putting it out uh, of who actually, uh, if, if anybody was injured there, but you know, who, who's putting it out there is a pretty good trusted source there. So just kind of look, be on the lookout for it there, but you know, I'm not trying to jump the gun or anything like that. And, uh, if, uh, if it comes out there, of course, uh, we'll we'll discuss it either on another episode this week or or just wait till next week. But we'll see when when everybody else finds out uh, about uh, the potential injury that was in the second scrimmage. And then right uh, before we wrapped up, Mullen did say Trask got a little more work. Uh, in the scrimmage as well. More work than he did in the first scrimmage. Uh, But he had a little bit of an off day. Uh, And I'm not sounding the alarm there either. (laughs) And Mullen kind of explained it. They're putting so much more on his plate right now. And basically, you know, kind of see what he can handle. He's going to be able to handle more. They'll simplify things. They'll pare stuff down as we get closer to games and getting into a game plan, doing the things that he likes to do. You know, talking with him and seeing the things that he likes to do. They'll make it easier going forward for him. But, you know, just, just a little bit of an off day, they said, uh, with so much on his plate there. But as we move forward, three weeks before your first game, a little under three weeks before your first game, we'll start paring it down, doing the things he likes to do, um, we, especially with all these new receivers and, and stuff like that, and, and and they'll get it going. But really sharp in the first, not as sharp in the second, but not. I mean, nothing to really worry about uh, there. So... Uh, but he did say, you know, he's improved the speed of how he goes through things. Um, and and Travis spends a lot of extra time in meetings, and he's able to do that because of being a grad student. He can spend more time in the coach's offices and, and in the film room and, and watching tape and, and getting better in the mental aspect of football. So, and, uh, you know, they're going to give him a lot more freedom, as he's kind of mentioned before in some of these press conferences, giving him a lot more freedom to do some checks at the line uh, of scrimmage. So, probably the biggest headline so far in the, in the, uh, in the, in the presser after the scrimmage here is one Kadarius Tony. And, uh, this tweet kind of blew up when when I put out there, what Mullen, uh, was talking about in, in this press conference to do with Kadarius Tony. And, uh, Nolan says, because Darius Tony has developed into, you know, has really developed into a wide receiver. Uh, he's worked with the, you know, he's worked to learn the position. He's taken such a huge step forward in becoming a wide receiver. Now, not just the gadget, get it to type of player being an every down wide receiver. And, he thinks he's taken some huge steps forward in that regard. And look, to me, uh, I had a wide receiver conversation uh, with Neil Blackman on uh, Twitter uh, on Monday. And look, I mean, that's the big question for this offense for me, or one of the big questions for this offense for me is, you know, given how Florida has to replace a good bit of the wide receiver core from last year, Tony's a big part of that, or it needs to be a big part of that, can be a big part of that. He's still going to have his electric plays. Need some more consistency there. Not getting tackled for a, you know seven, eight, ten yard loss, but you know I, I still think he brings more good than bad uh, to the table. He can bring even more good to the table by becoming that true wide receiver. Uh, so he's still going to have his electric plays, but you know can he be part of the offense where defenders have to defend his routes and he leaves them guessing as to what's coming? And you know not just the trick gadget, get it to sweep. Uh, screen type of, uh, of, of player. Uh, so, you know, I believe overall this group can be more explosive. But if this group's going to, ha- you know, live up to, to last year in, in some ways, then who can be relied on to catch that clutch third and seven pass to keep the chains moving? You know, I, I, like I said, I think there's more explosiveness here with this wide receiver core, maybe some more deep balls, deep, deep passes, especially with some help from the offensive line and run game. I think that part of the wide receiver core can be there but I still don't know who's going to be relied on third and seven to go catch a pass like Van Jefferson would or Freddie Swain would. That's my, I mean, besides Kyle Pitts, that's my, that's my biggest question for this wide receiver course. So Kadarius Tony, he can help there. You know, and then you know, if, if he can become that every down wide receiver, then that's, that's a good sign here. You know, if, if Tony can help there, it's a big testament to him and the development of, of Billy Gonzalez, the wide receiver coach. We know Billy Gonzalez can, can you know, coach, coach up at that position. Go look at the NFL this past weekend and get your wide receivers who were drafted and some of who were picked up as free agents or, or practice squad players. The development of that position is not in question. Can Tony take it upon himself to take that next step? Dan Mullen's statement there is encouraging. So we got to see it, of course. Everybody wants to see it. Not just be talk, but I think Dan Mullen coming out and saying that uh, is, is a pretty good, pretty good uh, statement there and it's encouraging moving forward for Kadarius tony uh what, what other player i mean just because uh I, I followed him a lot because he was here in jacksonville uh and i really wanted to, to kind of see um you know what his progress would be and someone asked about you know one Traves johnson true freshman cornerback for the gators and mullen did say he's he is playing star like expected most of us expected to play him that role or him to play in that role and that's where he's at uh Right now, they're trying to some, simplify some things for him because he plays hard. He's physical. He, and he, Mullen said he really showed that part of his game in the scrimmage of how hard he plays, how physical he is, great athleticism, great effort uh, in, in the scrimmage and you know the tackling. And you, we all remember going back and watching his film uh, from Bartram Trail of Headhunter and how he likes to go tackle and how he likes to go hit. And Mullen said you know, that's something, of course, that they saw in recruiting. So, Great physicality. And the big thing there, if he's going to play star, he's also got to cover like a corner. You, know, you can't just hit. You can't just be this big time um, going to go lay the wood on somebody and, and not do the other part of your job. So we all know he's a very fast player, and, and he can fit right here in that nickel star role because he can cover like a corner. And that's what they look for in that star position. So that's why they call it a star. And that's what we've heard you know, for the last couple of weeks with that position in all these press conferences with Dan Mullen and Todd Grantham. And he can do all that. And Mullen says it's hard to do all that, but he's a physical guy who, fit, who fits that mold and really can play that, that and, and can play corner if he needed to. But with his physicality and his cover skills, they, they, they like him in that star role. So I think that's very encouraging for Florida, too, uh, as you know, I don't think he'll be counted on much this year. If, if he is, it could be a really good sign that he's boosted his play to get up to that point. But with, you know, Marco and, and Brad Stewart working in that position now uh, as well, and Amari Burney and some other players, they'll get the first crack at it. And uh, so you hope it, it's not a Travis Johnson out there because of necessity that it's, if he's out there, it's because they like his growth as a true freshman. He's out there trying to make some plays, make some ball plays, hopefully in some blowout scenarios, but in a 10-game SEC schedule. We'll see uh, if that can be the case uh, here. So... Um, that's it for uh, kind of looking back at the, uh, what Dan Mullen had to say about uh, Sunday's or Monday's scrimmage and a little bit of notes there about some of the, the, the players who took part and some of their growth uh, this preseason, as in one uh, Kadarius. Tony, so before we get on to our interview with uh, Denny Thompson, everybody, look, it, it's time. It's winning season, and winning season returns at my bookie. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means survivor- super contest and squares at my bookie winning season means hitting all your parlays and props with your feet up, watching your team trounce their rivals. It's time to celebrate some football and it's time to bet on some football, invest in your intuition, use promo code Gators and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet from live betting to championship futures. Every play you want to make, is waiting at my bookie. It's simple. Make your picks, win big, collect your cash. Use promo code Gators and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today only at my bookie. And joining me now here on Gators Breakdown is Denny Thompson, quarterback trainer and owner of Six Points Jacks Quarterback Training and also co-host of the Sports Den on 1010 XL with James Coleman. Denny Bennett, this has been a little while man. How you how how you how you holding up through uh COVID in the spring and summer and uh, everything that's going on with all the questions surrounding the game of football.
1: Yeah, I think I'm like everybody else. It's just kind of blurred into one big beating 2020 has, but uh, it's been good. I mean, you know, it it feels wrong to say this, but this has been amazing for the quarterback business. We, you know, at one point had over 40 college quarterbacks in here training during the uh, quarantine and, so it's been uh, it's been interesting. It's been fun uh, from a training perspective, but it's at the same time it's been you know heartbreaking for a couple of our guys who who aren't having seasons, and then you know just like everybody else, just stressful to figure out is there going to be a season? And I think we're still trying to figure out is there going to be a season? How long of a season? A full season? Like you know what all's going to happen? So there's always that in the back of your mind. Um, that that really just makes you kind of feel for these guys and how hard they've worked all season all offseason to get to this you know to have that uncertainty and it's something we're 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 talking to them about you know pretty rarely and how do you lead through that how do you how do you function through that and so far so good on the guys that are getting a chance to play so i'm i'm just like everybody else dave i'm i'm, um, I'm hopeful um, but at the same time you know i'm 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 probably managing my expectations a little bit
0: Absolutely here. Same here. Same here. Hopefully it all goes smooth and clear. But uh, yeah, you got your eyes in a lot of places. Uh, the ACC uh, and Big Twelve will be kicking off their seasons this weekend. You got quarterbacks all across the country. Of course, we'll get into and discuss Anthony Richardson of Florida, Carson Beck at Georgia. But uh, let our listeners know, uh, you know, with college football basically kicking off in earnest this coming up weekend, uh, what all you know you've been doing with uh, uh, six points and all the quarterbacks that'll be out there uh, all across the country this coming up weekend.
1: Yeah, I mean, right now we've been focused, you know, mainly on our, our high school guys. We have high school guys throughout uh, the country as well that, that come in and train. And so we've been focused on them. But, you know, now we, we're in the middle of a ton of competitions um, in, in college football, which that seems to be making a, a reappearance. If you think about the last, you know, decade, there hasn't been a lot of competition. It's always been, here's here's our starter, here's our backup, wait your time. And then all of a sudden, you know, the last couple of years, the first one I can think of was Jalen Hurts coming in as a freshman at Alabama and really just taking a competition and then Tua taking it from him. And as Alabama always does, they set the trend. And so now everybody opens up camp with a quarterback competition, seemingly. And so we, we've got, you know, I don't know, 20, 20 guys in the middle of competitions that we should be hearing shortly on if they're going to be the guy or not. So, We've been dialed into that, and uh, and it is it is exciting, and it's, it's nerve wracking. My wife makes fun of me on Saturdays because Saturdays and Sundays, I am a nervous wreck watching these guys. Um, but but it's, it's it's definitely a cool gig to have, and and to get to spend so much time with these guys and see them develop and grow is is pretty awesome.
0: All right, so let's uh, shift the gears uh, to Florida and let's talk some uh, Florida Gators and and, and, and court. Florida Gator quarterbacks is, uh, as well. And Denny, let's go back to, to last year. Kyle Trask comes in. Felipe Franks goes down. Kyle Trask comes in, lights the world on fire against Kentucky. That continues on throughout the, the rest of the season. Uh, with your your, your quarterback trained eye here, you know, what, what changed from Felipe Franks to Kyle Trask in, in the offense? I mean, we know Felipe Franks, probably a little bit more of a successful runner. Kyle Trask gets hurt in that Auburn game, probably limits that part of the offense a little bit for Florida as well. But, you know, from looking at it from a pure quarterback perspective, what changed from Felipe Franks to Kyle Trask and Dan Mullen running this offense?
1: I I think you just hit the nail on the head. Dan Mullen changed. I I think that's what changed is if if you go back to two years ago, this time two years ago, the phrase that Dan Mullen used as much as any was that Felipe was a willing runner. You remember that? Like, yep. he used to say that all the time. Um, and I think at times they tried to make Felipe something he wasn't. And they didn't do nearly as much of that with Kyle. And to Kyle's credit, Kyle got rid of the ball on time to the right place. So that makes it a little bit easier. But it seems like, you know, especially early on, they let their athletes be athletes. They uh, got the ball to him in space really quickly. If you go back and you look. Kyle made some plays, and, and, if we're, and if we're being honest, if you go back and i watch, I've watched a lot of the games again, Kyle got away with a couple of throws mm-hmm. that, you know, <laughs> on one hand, you want to call it an amazing throw. On another hand, when you look at the All-22, it's like, oh, why did you throw it there? But he made it work. He made it fit. And so, I, you know, I think he he took some gambles, and he, he got away with them. But I think more than anything, Kyle was prepared. Um, he knew where to go with the ball. He knew you know, when to go there with it. And that really is what fits Dan Mullen and Dan Mullen's offense. And it's really what, you know, what Brian Johnson uh, works so much on with those guys is, is knowing where you're going to go with the ball, get it there. And I just think they kind of took that run element out of the quarterback position and went more traditional Dan Mullen of let's hand it off. If you've got a run take off. And let's you know, let's throw it down the field a little bit. And I think you saw from the minute he came in against Kentucky. The ball started advancing down the field a lot more. They hit the middle of the field a lot more. And it just opened everything up for that offense last year. So I think really the only thing that changed is maybe they simplified it early on and then realized, hey, we can put more and more and more in this guy's play. And it became harder and harder to defend as the season went through.
0: Now if we look at that, and you, you mentioned he got away well, you know probably with some of the throws there, but what improvement uh, do you expect to see from Kyle Trask now that he's, he is the starter? He is the guy who's going to take most of the, the number one reps, and he's going to prepare that way uh, as the starting quarterback for the University of Florida. So what can he take from year one and improve upon to be an even better quarterback in year two?
1: Well, that's the crazy thing about him, right, is he didn't see live reps for years. I was able to come in there and do that, and, and I tell you know younger athletes and parents all the time that until you've made a significant amount of mistakes, you're not a real quarterback. And to see Kyle kind of navigate last year with very few mistakes was impressive. I think the biggest thing for him is now he's seen it, he, and it's, it's not the speed of the game because he's been practicing with some of the fastest guys in NCAA football for the past you know four years. But it's just having that experience and seeing the speed that, that everything is, is adjusted with, that adjustments are made. And, and I think the biggest thing for him moving forward is he and Brian Johnson and Dan Mullen are on the exact same page now. Is He understands the play calls coming in. They understand what he does well. Um, mechanically, he's really solid. So he, he's, he's going to, he's going to be an accurate guy. He's not going to be an up-and-down guy. Um, and, and, so I, the next big step for him, I think is, is, some of the checks at the line is putting them into situations where the defense cannot be right, that he he's able to make that read calmly and efficiently and quickly. And, and, and so I think for us as fans, what we're going to see is a much more fluid offense, uh, than what we saw last year. I, I go back to the LSU game when I'm talking about Kyle Trask and Kyle Trask, he showed me something, but at the same time, it also showed me limitations. Mm. When LSU started to really button down, and if you remember, Kyle Trask went to Van Jefferson about four or five times in a row in that game. And for me, I went, well, wait a second. They're not playing an isolation game of Van Jefferson. That's Kyle taking his eyes straight to him and making that work. You don't have to see that this year. I think you're going to be able to see him come off of one read, get to another, come off of shallow, get to deep, and vice versa. Things like that that maybe. You know, most people wouldn't recognize last year, but it was certainly there that every now and then he had a comfort zone with Pitts and Van Jefferson um, that maybe this year he spreads the ball around you know, based on what the defense is doing instead of based on what the offense is doing, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. And you're kind of going to where my next point was going to go. How much do you think he'll miss those receivers? And you know, there's wide receivers all are on NFL rosters right now, the ones that were drafted uh, so that, you know, we already kind of knew how good they were, but they're, you know, they're proving their worth and early on in NFL camps and heading into the season for the, for their NFL teams right now too. Um, Willie, you know, you mentioned probably spread the ball out uh, just a bit more with, you know, now we, don't really, know. you know, Trevon Grimes is probably the number one true wide receiver. Kyle Pitts is, of course, going to be uh, a top target as well. But a lot to figure out there at that wide receiver position.
1: Yeah, I don't, you know, I've been consistent on this. I I'm, I have zero worries about that position. Um, there were some good players. and I You know, Van Jefferson was kind of my lock after last year of, okay, which Gator is going to have the most immediate impact. And it was Van Jefferson for me because he's so polished. As a route runner, and I think that's why you saw Kyle favor him when they were playing, you know, press man teams like like LSU. Um, but the receiver position, to me, from a talent perspective, is as good as what they've been in a long time in Gainesville right now. Um, I mean, the Henderson kid is legit, mm-hmm. and and I think you know the 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 wild card in the whole thing is Kadarius Tony. Is you know, can he stay healthy? Can he stay on the field? Because when he's on the field, even if he doesn't have the ball, people know he's on the field. And, and you have to play a certain type of defense when he's on the field. And if you can get Grimes and Henderson's size with and Pitt's size and Kadarius Toney's speed and some of these other guys' speed um, out there at the same time or in rotations, that is going to be hell for a defense, and it should open up your running game to a level that we haven't seen um, in Gainesville in quite some time.
0: And you you mentioned that LSU game a couple times, and you know you go back and look at that game, and the quarterback rotation was probably the best it had looked all season with Trask and Emery. And you know a quarterback rotation is delicate, and we've seen Mullen, of course, have success where everybody wants to go back to two thousand six and how it worked with Leak and Tebow. When you look at Emery in the quarterback position at Florida, should he get more playing time? Uh, should he have a chance to prove his arm a bit more? Or is you know is this a year where Kyle Trask is simply? complete you know completely takes all the way over and we don't see you get to see emory until maybe more next year how much should he play in your opinion
1: uh that's that's an interesting question and i could go either way with this but i'm gonna say he's gonna play more than he did last year um i i think i know people listen and they're going well wait if kyle's hot don't take him out of the game and i I understand that. That's a judgment call and I promise you Dan Mullen knows that as well. <laughs> but the the simple fact of the matter is the more you can give a defense to prepare for, the more everybody becomes. Mm. And Emory is a really good football player. He 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 brings things to the field that Kyle can't. And and vice versa. Kyle does a lot of things that Emory is not, it's not in his skill set to do. So I I think you're going to see Emory you know, I said this the other day, and, and people about jumped out of the chair where, where I was when I said it. It wouldn't shock me if you saw 15 to 20 plays of a different quarterback other than Kyle Trask in the game. And I'm not saying just Emory. I think Anthony's going to get some run too, kind of that Tebow package yep. when he was a freshman as well. Um, but but I, I think it's something that if things are going well, that's what you want to see as a Gator fan. Because when you play Georgia and that defense comes in to Jacksonville, You want that defense having to prepare for a couple different packages. I promise you, that is an NFL defense coming to Mm
0: Jacksonville,
1: and 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 the more they've got to prepare for, the less athletic, the less the less, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for, the less certain they can be about things, the more timid they're going to be playing, and that is an advantage that Florida has. That if you don't take advantage of, it, you're 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 really losing something there. And the other thing about Emory, if you go back and you look last year when Emory came in, the thing that impressed me, and I told him this this offseason, he's not the biggest guy. Now, he's not small, but he's not the biggest guy in a quarterback room full of huge guys. Kyle Trask is massive. Anthony Richardson is massive. But the thing that Emory always did, even when he got hit behind the line, he fell forward. Yep. And he was he was a great runner from that aspect. It wasn't like you know, he got hit, he went down, he lost five yards. He always gained yardage. And so when you have that guy that just has that ability to not take a hit squarely, you get confidence in that guy. And I think that Brian Johnson and I think Dan Mullen has an extreme level of confidence in all three quarterbacks right now.
0: And let's go to uh, that third quarterback who you know very well, Anthony Richardson from Gainesville, uh, true freshman now at Florida, early enrolled. And we've got the Speak to the, uh, Dan Mullen and, and Brian Johnson last week on the, on the media circuit here. So the uh, word is, he's picking things up pretty quick, and, and that's you know good considering there's no, been no spring break. This has an early enrollee. Um, does that surprise you at all in, in how quick he's picking things up?
1: No, he's one of the smartest kids I've ever been around in my life. And, and I think I told you that last year. Yep. Um, you know, The one attribute that he doesn't get enough credit for because he's so athletic and he's got such a good arm is what's between his ears he is extremely intelligent and very coachable and you know he's he's one of the guys that'll text me and you know after one practice and he'll say coach why is this happening And he'll explain it to me and then the next day it's, it's fixed like he's it's just the kind of guy he is he wants everything to be perfect and and and, and so him picking everything up i'd have had no issues about that the only issue The only thing that I was a little bit uncertain of because he didn't get a lot of playing time last year with the injury that he had in high school was him just getting back on the football field and the speed of the game and all that kind of stuff. But that seems to not be a problem for him at all, even through bowl practice last year.
0: There you Um, go. That's where I was going to go next. I know it was just a short amount of time he had with that, but how beneficial was that for him?
1: It was huge. It was absolutely huge. I think it let him know specifically what we needed to work on in the offseason was the biggest thing is he got out there and he realized, okay, I, you know, the balls I could fit in at East side, I'm not fitting in at games. And, um, and, and so it, it let us know exactly what we need to work on. And people think of, you know, all season quarterback training, they think of throwing the ball better or something like that. And that's a very small percentage of it. A lot of it is, you know, what guys do with their eyes, what they're seeing, what they're looking at, you know, things like that. And so it gave us an opportunity uh, to really dig deep into that. And that's something that, the, the whole coronavirus thing actually helped with our quarterbacks is we were able to extend and we were able to spend an extended period of time working on things like that, as, as well as mechanic work that we haven't been able to do in two years because all these guys played a year. And the year before that, they went to elite 11 camps. And they went to, you know, all star games and all this stuff. So it let us kind of reset that. And then at the college level, it, you know, it almost was like rookie minicamp for them before they ripped for the older guys reported. And I think if you talk to a lot of college coaches, they'll tell you that time was invaluable. Rarely do you get a chance to spend a week with the freshmen right before camp starts getting everything installed with them. And so I think in a lot of ways, the freshmen, as long as they took care of their body and they continued to stay in shape, in a lot of ways, these freshmen are further along than what freshmen have been in the past because of some rules that they were able to implement right before the season started.
0: And good that's that's kind of where I did want to go uh, with, with one point here. When you're working with somebody like Richardson and and he's been on campus for a bit and now he gets to come work with you, you know are, are there specific things that you're working on in him with him that the Florida coaches want to see? Is, is it a balance of what you teach versus what they teach and are you and I don't even know if this is allowed or are you in contact with them about things that Anthony or, or another quarterback at another school can work on?
1: Yeah, I mean I, I... I, I text with the coaches, you know, I'm going to say consistently, but that probably is too much <laughs> occasionally. And it's, you know, hey, how's he looking, all that kind of stuff. And and so I'll get a little bit of feedback, but the feedback really comes from the player. The the, the player knows, you know, that, hey, coach, I'm uncomfortable with this concept or I'm uncomfortable, you know, when I throw this route or, you know, there's times where like Anthony came in, you know, sometime, I guess it was, I'm going to say it was April maybe may something like that. And it was, you know, he hadn't thrown for a little while because Alachua County was locked down. And so it was more of, okay, let's spend two days, let's throw everything and let's just visually see where you're at. And so then we kind of backtracked and said, okay, I think you can do this, this, and this a little bit better. So it it really depends on the guy that we've got very cerebral guys that like Anthony who know what they need to work on. And so when they come in, there's a plan. Uh, on their part of, you know, Hey, I want to work on this, this, and this. And so we tailored around there. And then we've got other guys, you know, like, like Joey Gatewood at Kentucky, who does everything really well. And it's okay. We, we want to set an improvement schedule for this part of your game. Also stuff that I see, not that, not as much things that he feels. So it really depends on the quarterback, but here's the thing about Anthony is Anthony is such a anomaly. Um, in so many different ways, because yes, he's a four, four, nine laser kit. I have witnessed that. Yes. He's 225 pounds and has zero fat on him. He looks like a 30 year old grown man, (laughs) but at the same time, like you've got to move past that and realize you were dealing with someone that has a football IQ as high as just about anybody that I've worked with. And, And so it's, it's this neat thing. And the reason I'm so excited about him, frankly, is, is it's just it's he pushes me as a trainer because I know if I'm not on my game he knows I'm not on my game yeah. and 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 it's one of those things that as a trainer you come across these guys and at the NFL levels like the Josh Dobbs and Gardner Minshew's of the world are very intelligent guys you come across these guys that just make you better as a trainer and Anthony's one of those.
0: So, you know, SEC changes their schedules, a 10-game SEC schedule for, for SEC teams this year, and eligibility not counting against players this season. <laughs> so that lends, you know, me to ask the question, the schedule does get harder, but you also have a season now where guys can come in and, and you know, the year won't count against them. So you you kind of mentioned it and hinted at it earlier, but can you see a scenario with now, especially because this this year not really counting against players, where Richardson can come in and have an impact?
1: yeah absolutely i mean if if you're if you're third and goal from the two i mean it's gonna be hard to have that guy standing right next to you and not put him in yeah it, it it really is i i mean because he he's got that he's got the the past threat as well but he's he's a different dog man he, he he's he's not going down a first contact, contact. he's going to shake you I just think I have not been told anything by the Florida staff at all. I you know, Anthony and I've talked about it a little bit, but he doesn't know. I, I just think, you know, it's 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 third and two and that, that big old Joker standing next to you and you know the damage he's been doing, he's gonna be in the game. I you know, it may only be three, four, five snaps, something mm-hmm. like that. But yeah, I absolutely can see him. And by the way, the NCAA rule, the biggest overreach in sports history, by the way. <laughs> Absolutely absurd and like the dumbest thing I've heard in all the years that I've been working either in the sports business or in media. It's unbelievable and, and three years from now that's going to that's gonna go down as one of the biggest mistakes the NCAA has ever made.
0: In, in what ways, Denny?
1: Like it, it's it's you can't give everybody a free year that's getting a chance to play. It it messes up the recruiting cycle. Mm-hmm. You're going to see a ton of decommitments. You're going to see it. It's not going to affect a school like Florida budgetary wise, but it's going to affect a ton of schools. And right now, as it's written, the only people that don't that that aren't going to count against your scholarship limit in future years are the seniors this year. That's the only ones. So this freshman class you have that counts as another freshman class next year. And you've got 25 committed already this year? I mean, there's 47 guys. I have an 85-person scholarship limit. It it just makes zero sense. I don't understand the logic behind it. If you wanted to give the seniors an extra year, cool. If you wanted people to apply for a year not to count, cool. But to just blanket say this is a free roll for everybody is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my life.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm eager to see how coaches balance that. And as you said, um,
1: oh, I can tell you right now, I've talked to and nobody at Florida. I've talked to other coaches who are like, "What the hell are we going to do?" But because here's the thing that people don't understand: like when when guys enter the draft early and they don't get drafted, and we all get after the player going, "Why were you so stupid?" It wasn't the player. The coach told him, "Look, you you got to go. You're not going to get on the field. The guy behind you is better." Well, now you've got four years of that. Mm-hmm. Now you've got four years of guys that you have to, as a coach, go to them and essentially cut them because your numbers aren't lining up. And now you've got a whole class of recruits that there was a pecking order of, okay, here's the plan. This guy's going to be a senior next year. We're going to develop you as a freshman. Then you're going to play as a sophomore. Well, that's not happening anymore. Like it, it, It's just that the, I do not envy the coaches right now. I don't envy the recruiting I don't envy with the decisions they have to make um, once football season's over. I don't know how the NCAA is going to make, you know, when they're going to have to let these seniors declare or or are they coming back or not before early signing day? Is there an early signing day? If there is an early signing day, that's a fraud. Like I, the whole thing is just classic NCAA, you know, way overreacting to something.
0: Seen it too often. <laughs> I've, seen it, yeah. I've seen it too often. Uh, uh, then one, one more thing, uh, kind of you hit it on earlier just about how Mullen was able to kind of cater to. the the development and and the transition from Franks to Trask, But, you know, even going back to his first Florida stand as offensive coordinator through his time at Mississippi State and now his first two years at Florida, you know, what is it that he does so well and that he just seems to get the best out of his quarterback? It can be a drop back. It can be a dual threat. It can be a combination of it all. Just on the surface, though, I mean, what is it that Dan Mullen does so well that he's going to have success at the quarterback position?
1: Uh, a couple of things. One, he's an elite level play caller. So he's always going to put his guys in in great positions to make plays. But, you know, the behind the scenes work that I think Dan Mullen does with reads and and with, you know, the what I mentioned earlier, of here's why I'm calling this play of the understanding of this play comes in and here's why. Here's the situation. Here's what I'm seeing. And here's why we're running it. That is so big. And people think that 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 happens at every place. It doesn't. It, it really doesn't. There's there's a lot of patience and there's a lot of work that goes into developing these quarterbacks. And, and you can look at guys like Dan Mullen and Ryan Day, and, and I don't know Lincoln Riley, but I'm going to put him in this. Uh, the other two, I, I know what they do. They're, the reason they develop quarterbacks so well is because they spend so much time at that position. It's They've got, you know, in, in Florida's case, Brian Johnson has been around Dan, Dan Mullen practically his entire professional life. He knows what Dan Mullen wants. And so it's basically two Dan Mullins coaching quarterbacks at all times. And so a play comes in, the play's going to work because Dan Mullen's got a reason he's calling it. And the quarterback knows why he's calling it. And there's options out of it. So if the defense all of a sudden rolls into a different coverage or a different front quarterback knows what to do with the ball. There's a lot of moving parts and it takes an intelligent quarterback to play for Dan Mullen. And once you get that intelligence and athleticism together, and Dan Mullen's system, like, he, he can call anything he wants to call, and he's just got such a good feel for the game. It's a God-given ability to just be able to sit on the sideline because everybody has a game plan, but that game plan changes. And so you get into the game, and all of a sudden, if you, if you have a good feel for what that defense is doing and what your offense does really well, and you can mesh those two at, at, the, at the snap of a finger – That's what makes you an elite-level play caller, and that's what Dan Mullen does seemingly every Saturday. We've referenced the LSU games like five times just in the conversation. And and if you go back and you watch that, LSU scored easily, right? I mean, they may look easy. Mm -hmm. Florida kept up with them because of Dan Mullen. He kept finding things to dial up at the right time, and it was hard. It, It was not easy to drive down the field the way they were doing it. Um, but, you know, you look at that game and it you just go, okay, that that's a level of play calling that is re- reserved for very few.
0: And with all that being said, Denny, you know, two double-digit win seasons at Florida for the first time in a decade, first time Mullins done it in his career, two double-digit wins back-to-back. What's it going to take for him to break through? And you, you just kind of mentioned the LSU game again. And, look, that was, there's another side of the ball that has a lot to do with this as well. And Todd Grantham being a defensive coordinator and, you know, kind of – not doing so much to help Mullen against Georgia last year on third down and LSU the entire game there. Is it more about Mullen breaking through? Is there another aspect to it as far as the defensive side of the ball as well? You know, What's it going to take for Mullen to, to kind of break through and, and lead a team to an SEC championship game?
1: Well, I think, you know, I, I don't want to sound too homerish on this or anti-homerish, I should say, <clears throat> but he's kind of already broken through. Gotcha. Because for the first time in, in a long time, I guess I mean fans, I guess I
0: mean to more than no, in, the, in the league I, status. I, yeah,
1: I got you. And I'm gonna use this to explain my answers. For the first time in a long time, we're very confident. Yep. Going into a season, like I mean, in last year we were the same, and that hasn't happened since Urban Meyer was there. And, and so I think he's that part's broken through. But here's the next step for Dan Mullen and the Gators is if you put their best eleven out every single week, their best twenty-two they're fine. He needs another year or two of development and recruiting to develop the depth that a that is that a team like Georgia or Alabama has because that that's really when you're talking about that next level which is SEC championship, college football playoffs, national championship. That is a survival of the fittest type of scenario. And so your your twos have to be just about as good as your ones in every position and and I know there's no time or place to brag about Georgia on a Gators podcast, but if we're going to be realist, if Georgia loses an offensive lineman, do you think they've got a concern? No, they could lose two, three, and they're bringing guys in there that are going to play on Sundays. Same on the same on the defensive side of the ball for Georgia because Kirby's been there longer. I think that if if he can stay healthy, this could be a breakthrough year for Florida and for Dan Mullen. But if he continues to do what he's doing, and don't pay attention to 24/7 recruit, re- recruiting rankings, trust the guy because he's shown he's shown that he can be trusted when it comes to developing guys. If he can continue to get his guys that he wants in there, and he continue to develop, and Savage can continue to develop them, then a year, two years from now, we're going to be looking at a two deep, where at every position there's competition, and that's what they have at these other schools that Florida doesn't quite have yet but it's so much closer right now than they were two years ago.
0: And two aspects that, you know, could lend itself to, to Florida being in a SEC championship game college football playoff spot. Two thoughts. I want to get your uh, two aspects. I want to get your thoughts on before we let you go here, SEC game, you know, SEC 10 game schedule. How does that affect Florida? And of course all the Jamie Newman news last week at Georgia and the quarterback battle going on there, the 10 game schedule, what's going on at Georgia? Does does what was your thought of Florida kind of before that, and has it changed since the 10-game the, the schedule in the Georgia News?
1: Uh, no, I the the 10-game schedule I think lines up for Florida pretty well. I, I actually I really like it. I think um, – I mean, LSU, who they were going to play anyway, I think when you lose – what have they lost, 20 of 22 starters and both coordinators? <laughs> it's if, ridiculous. If, it is. If they win eight games and Ed Orton's coach of the year, no questions asked. Like, I mean, none at all. So I, they're, they're in my mind, they don't, they don't really factor in the schedule. really didn't do anything. Cause at the end of the day, you know, if you lose more than, more than two, it's, it's not a good season for the Gators. Yeah. If you lose one early and you still beat Georgia, you still accomplish your goal. So the, everything is on that Georgia game still, just like it was, you know, with the, with the prior schedule. So, and I don't, they're not a young team that needs the warm-up games or anything like that. So I, I as an SEC fan, as a Florida fan, I love it. I, I want to go to a ten-game conference mm-hmm. schedule every single year. It's going to be hard to get away from this. Play ten games. Play your directional schools. Play Florida State. And let's call it a. Let's call it a day. Yep. Um, so I absolutely love that. As far as Georgia and Jamie Newman, if you listen to the Sports Den, and most of you probably don't, but
0: if you're in Jacksonville, we, if you're in Jacksonville, right. you should, or you can stream it. You so there should, we go. <laughs>
1: well, if you're really bored at night, yeah, you probably should. <laughs> but it, that's something that we've been talking about since April. Of why would Jamie Newman play? Like, it doesn't make any sense for him to play. He he's got this inflated draft grade. Um, that I don't even know where that came from. And and I don't I'm not sure it's from the NFL. By the way, I think it may be more from media and Georgia media specifically. And why would you go out there and expose yourself if you're already considered the fourth best quarterback? Because you're not jumping those three, mm-hmm. the three in front of you. And I don't know what happened at at Georgia, but it didn't shock me. The timing of it was a little weird that it happened right after their first scrimmage, though. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of wondering, like, OK, what happened in that scrimmage? Was he not the guy? Was that I mean, what? Because if you're going to opt out, you probably should have opted out two weeks ago and given somebody else those reps. Um, so I don't know what happened at the scrimmage or if the scrimmage had anything to do with it or, or what it was. But it didn't shock me is what I'm getting to. As far as the competition in Georgia, I think it's, it's one of the more intriguing competitions that I've seen. Um, and Carson Beck is a guy that I trained who's at Georgia, so I, I may be a little slanted. But I was thinking about this over the weekend. They've got this amazing defense, uh, probably the best defense in the country. They've got JT Daniels, who got hurt the first game of the last year. They've got Dewan Mathis, who's, who's coming off of a brain surgery and didn't play at all last year. And they've got Carson Beck. And so the true freshman has actually played football more recently than the other two. Oh, yeah. The, two, yeah. the, two, the, the true freshman has, has seen live snaps, be it at the high school level, way more live snaps in the last year and a half than either of the other two. And so it's one of those things that's like, what are you going to settle into if you are Kirby smart and you know that what you need out of the quarterback position is the ability to push the ball down the field and not make mistakes and probably flip that order, not make mistakes and then push the ball down the field because your defense is that solid and your offensive line is pretty damn good. And your running back position is pretty damn good. Like it always is. That's an interesting decision they've got to make at Georgia. Um, the, the good thing for them is their first game is they get figured out as they're playing a team that hasn't won a game in two years in the SEC. So they are kind of playing that gimme game. So, I, you know, I, it, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I think Georgia is a, you know, a top five team, regardless of who they start at quarterback. Um, I, in my heart of hearts, I think it's either going to be JT or Carson. And I think you'll see DeJuan Mathis come in and, in packages and that kid is a special athlete by the way. So he'll be dangerous in those packages. Um, but it is definitely intriguing and interesting with what's going on in Athens.
0: And then quickly, how, how much does that offense changed under Todd Munkin?
1: A lot. I think it changes a lot. I, I think uh, Munkin is very good, very good at what he does. Um, very similar thing to, to what, you know, you see on Sundays in the NFL. It's let's get rid of the ball quickly. Let's know where we're going with it. Let's get the read. And let's, and, and by the way, they may have the best receiver in the country. That's the scary thing. I, I mean, they've got a guy that in, in Pickens that – is so dynamic that if he if you find ways creative ways to get the ball in his hand quickly uh, he could be a nightmare so i I think not not that i had anything against coley i actually like coley as a person but i I think munkin was a fantastic hire uh for what they have with that nfl type system they have at the offensive line the nfl type running backs they have um he he's going to be very hard to defend in the sec
0: and then the last thing came out kind of over the weekend. You mentioned Jamie Newman and his draft status, but uh, Kyle Trask getting a little bit of NFL draft love uh, with a good season, uh, maybe a, a season we're kind of predicted to have. Uh, can he can he shoot his way up the draft board?
1: Yeah, absolutely. He's gonna um, people are gonna love him in the process. He's gonna be a great combine guy. He's gonna be a great pro day guy. He's gonna be a great interview. Um, he's gonna check all the boxes. He's you know, what is Kyle six five? Probably 230, 235. Um, not, not the, not the strongest arm in the world, but not an arm that's going to generate questions. Um, so I think if he has, you know, if he has a good year, the off season following that good year is going to do nothing but help him out. You know, the real question is, does he leave with the extra year? You know, I mean, that, that's the, that's the weird thing that we all got to wrap our head around is week six or seven. That's going to be the conversation: Is Kyle going to come back, or is Kyle going to leave? So you know, I, but I, I think he could work his way up. I, I don't think Kyle is a first-round guy, and I don't really know that he's a second-round guy. But but he could be a third-round. He could be a third-round type quarterback.
0: Did it be? it's already weird when Dan Mullen was hired, I never would have said a Jim McElwain quarterback would be the starting quarterback in year three. <laughs> it would be even more weird if we were saying it going into year four. <laughs> uh,
1: it would be, it would be. But man, you already know it's going to be a topic.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, I couldn't imagine another year of quarterback debate.
1: <laughs> well, it should be a fun year though. So hopefully, hopefully it goes as we all plan. Hopefully they stay healthy. I think that's the number one thing Gator fans need right now is, is there certain positions they've got a little bit of depth in, but most they don't. And so if, if they can stay healthy, it should be an exciting year in
0: Gator. All right. That is Denny Thompson, quarterback, trainer, and owner of Six Points Jack's quarterback training and co-host of the Sports Den on 1010XL here in Jacksonville. With James Coleman, if you can't catch it on the radio here in Jacksonville, you can certainly stream it. Denny, man, I can't thank you enough for all your insight, man.
1: No, I appreciate it, man. I love doing this.
0: All right, that'll do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown. Once again, thanks to Denny Thompson and everything that he brings to the table when he's here on Gators Breakdown. Got to get him on more. (laughs) He knows a lot, especially with Anthony Richardson coming up in in, in future years. We'll definitely uh, keep in touch with Denny as he can share uh, a lot of insight on being able to train Anthony Richardson and then kind of see his growth uh, as a Florida Gator, hopefully uh, in years to come there. Uh, Good look back at the uh, second scrimmage, and uh, thanks again, Uh, to my bookie, our sponsors here on Gators Breakdown. And that'll do it for this episode. Guys and girls, you can follow me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.